0: I don't know why PCOS is so popular and and I don't say that like oh it's so trendy to have PCOS it's just one of those things where there's a couple different reasons why things like PCOS and even Hashimoto's they are becoming just more prevalent more widespread there's definitely been a trend in autoimmune disease uh, over the last several decades women get it a lot there, there's and I'm not going to get into the why's and the hows of it because it's kind of a long scary sad story <laughs> to be frank but today we are going to talk specifically about PCOS. What it is, some symptoms that you might experience, some common issues, some uncommon things that you might not know, and you know just just the basics of it. So, why is it so popular, and what is it? Okay, so PCOS is an acronym. It stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And while there's uh, there's some criteria that you do have to meet in order to get a medical diagnosis, um, Google the Rotterdam criteria. It's you know maybe you have you have two of these three things on your ovaries, you're hyperandrogenic, or you have high levels of testosterone in your body, um, as well as an irregular cycle. Um, if you meet two of those three criteria, you likely have PCOS, but it's always good to get this confirmed by a medical doctor. And we'll talk about why this is the case and, and why am I talking about PCOS? Because I do work as a functional health, holistic co- fitness coach. Um, and so I deal with PCOS on a regular basis. I have several clients who have PCOS and struggle with certain, you know, not barriers, but just, you know, unique scenarios that we have to be cognizant of that force us to be more creative, um, in order to help them meet their goals. Um, and so things that you need to know is that with PCOS, you might have some irregular periods. You might have painful periods. When you do have them, lots of heavy bleeding, you might have cysts and cysts that burst. You might have acne. You might have issues with weight gain. Um, you might struggle with maybe like trying to lose weight, but still gaining weight, regardless of how hard, you're exercising. Um, You can deal with fatigue. Usually there's some gut issues involved with PCOS. Um, There's a lot of, you know, mood swings and just like mood disorders that can be associated, you know, mental health issues associated with the diagnosis of PCOS. And so there's a lot that it covers, but, and infertility is also something that individuals with PCOS might struggle with as well. Um, But there's some weird things that you need to know about it. So so first of all, I want to just Make a statement. It does not look the same for everybody. Um, I every single person that I have worked with who has PCOS. Presents in very in varying ways. So so we think about the typical the quote unquote typical standard PCOS is where you have a lot of acne, maybe you have excess body hair, um, uh, you f- are considered overweight or you have a high BMI and you struggle with losing weight and and your periods are real wonky. And then you you get a diagnosis, maybe you get on PCOS that you get a diagnosis of PCOS, and then your doctor wants to give you birth control, which is not a cure for PCOS. You can't fix PCOS. You can just put a band-aid on some of the symptoms using birth control, but there's definitely more to it than that. Um, fun fact, birth control is actually considered an endocrine disruptor because they are synthetic hormones going into your body. And so when we have these synthetic hormones entering into our system, i.e. via birth control, you're disrupting the normal hormone pathways of our body. Um, and that can cause some other issues and can exacerbate you know, things like anxiety, things like depression, and cause more gut issues than maybe you were already experiencing pre-birth control, especially if you have PCOS. Um, but not everybody deals with PCOS and has it the same way. Again, I've had individuals that struggle with insulin resistance, and we'll kind of get into that here in just a minute. And struggle, people who don't struggle with insulin resistance, you know, I, I've even spoken with individuals who their doctor tells them, "Oh, I think you have PCOS and you're insulin resistant." And then we start looking at their biofeedback and start looking at their labs, and it's like, I don't think you're insulin resistant. This is not. This is not adding up. So PCOS, it's. I say that it's quote unquote popular because it's a label that encompasses a lot of different things and it's what can be considered sort of like an umbrella diagnosis, right? It just, it covers a lot of things and it allows the doctors, this is why getting a diagnosis is important by giving you a diagnosis and by labeling it, it allows your medical provider to code for certain labs and or treatments that you otherwise might not have access to, to get more answers. Um, and that's why, you know, getting, that's one of the reasons why getting a diagnosis is important because you might need to be able to access some of these additional things that you otherwise can't access unless you have a label slapped on you. It's kind of like with like dealing, dealing with Hashimoto's is really annoying because it's like in order to diagnose Hashimoto's, part of what we want to do is make sure that we are, um, the TPO antibodies drawn, but a lot of doctors won't be able to pull TPO antibodies because they can't code for it unless they have a diagnosis of Hashimoto's. But how do you get the diagnosis? It, it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg, and it's very aggravating. A lot of times, I like will just tell. If I have a client who's struggling with thyroid issues. I'm just like, we, we just like go get this like thyroid panel out of pocket, and just like here, go take this into the labs, and then their shit comes back, and it's like, <laughs> go to the doctor, um, and we're, then we'd find oh, the okay, case so there's some other underlying issues, but because their doctor doctors couldn't code for it, they weren't able to get the answers. We can get these things out of pocket, get the answers ourselves, bring the proof to the doctor, and then start that process of getting medical support. Similar thing with PCOS. Your doctors might not be pulling sometimes enough info on your sex hormone panels um, in order to be able to fully determine what's going on. Like, they, they just... They don't look at a lot of things and it's not necessarily that they don't always want to look at it, although there are um, some medical writers that will like roll their eyes at patients when they ask for some like further testing or, you know, and I say this because I help my clients medically advocate for themselves and their doctors will literally like roll their eyes at my clients and I'm just like, all right. Well, apparently we're going out of pocket for this, so we're just gonna get this done. Um, and so it ends up being a scenario where, with PCOS, even you kind of have to jump through a lot of hoops before you can really even get a diagnosis. It was the same way for me with my endometriosis. I had to jump through hella hoops, get tons of testing before somebody finally said, okay, we're putting all the pieces of the puzzle together, and this is what you have. Um, and and th- then that was okay, cool. Now I have some answers and can now move forward treating it. So in a way, getting a diagnosis is good because it's like, all right, now I know what I'm working with and we can sort of plot a game plan because this is what we're seeing from a medical perspective. Again, it can also allow you to get support, um, especially from the medical side of things. If you're really struggling with insulin resistant PCOS, um, that you might need some support from the medical side of things in order to get that needle moving and help your body better respond to insulin. So insulin resistance is sort of a fun catchphrase. Uh, It's not a catchphrase. It's an actual thing. Don't worry. But people don't really fully understand what it is. So basically what happens is when you, um, eat food, (laughs) your blood glucose arises and your body releases insulin in order to bring that, um, down that blood sugar down well if you are insulin resistant and this can develop in a multitude of ways um it, it's typically usually um a lifestyle uh, development um where it will develop over time um and it can eventually lead into diabetes um which is why it's important to this is why taking care of our bodies is important guys um when you're insulin resistant your body releases this insulin but your brain and your muscles and your, your adipose tissues and everything else it doesn't respond to it effectively so your blood sugar continues to stay elevated which causes it issues with energy causes issues with cravings can cause issues with weight management things like that so that's what insulin resistance is is your body is releasing the insulin but your body's going <laughs> nice try dude and your blood sugar continues to stay elevated causing again other issues this is why a lot of individuals um, with PCOS who are struggling with weight management struggle to lose weight because they might be dealing with some insulin resistance so their body is not managing things from just a basic function level effectively or the way that it's Supposed to, so they're not going to be able to lose weight until that insulin resistance is been um, addressed specifically, and that can be addressed through you know movement, stress management, lifestyle like lifestyle right, diet, um, as well as sometimes medical intervention depending on on where we're at with everything might be appropriate in that situation. We can also introduce some supplementation that can help manage that insulin resistance. So um, those are just kind of some common issues with PCOS. One of the other issues with PCOS, too, is that irregular periods, again, trying to... And, and issues with fertility, because the periods are irregular, it's hard to sort of pinpoint where where is ovulation occurring, if it even is occurring. Um, and th- it, that can make it really difficult to nail down when that fertile window is for somebody who is trying to conceive. Um, it doesn't make it impossible, but it just makes it that, you know, that much more... Mm, again, like I said, we got to be creative with things when we start tracking cycles when it comes to PCOS. Um, and so... Um, again, getting, you know, getting that diagnosis is, is important. So things that you can do, if you feel like you might have PCOS or your doctor has sort of mentioned it, but you haven't really gotten any answers yet. You want to get a full sex hormone panel guys. You want to get your estradiol, your progesterone, your testosterone, free testosterone, DHEA, FS, uh, (laughs) your um, LH and FSH levels all checked. Um, Ferritin as well is a good one to get. Um, So um, and get maybe, you know, just if you can ask for all those things, get all those things. Um, If your doctor may or may not pull it all, if you need to, go to lifeextension.com and search up sex hormone panel and comprehensive sex hormone panel and it will pull all of these things for you. You can take it into a lab in most states and then get that drawn, get your answers, take it into your doctor, say these are my symptoms. I need you to help me figure this out. Um, And so that's always a good option too um, if you want to go that route. Um, A lot of times it ends up happening, like I said, uh, with my clients when things start not adding up or we start noticing some friends, we can get these labs ourselves. Um, and I can sort of arm them to go into the doctors and ask the right questions so we can get answers again, it's important. Um, and so the, the downside to getting a label of any kind of diagnosis, whether it's PCOS or Hashimoto's or endometriosis or, or anything is that it's important to not let that label define you that just because you have PCOS doesn't necessarily mean that you can't lose weight, that you can't have energy, that you have to avoid carbs, that you have to do all these things that sort of convince you that you otherwise are going to struggle with it. Um, but it definitely is sort of a mental struggle. And I I get this from like a very personal perspective, again, Hashimoto's and endometriosis over here. So I know what it's like to get that diagnosis and feel like everything's going to be so much harder. And I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that it's not that much harder than somebody who is otherwise healthy and is not dealing with this. Um, it does make things, it adds an extra layer of creativity, um, trying to put a positive spin on it. And then there's also the days where it just fucking sucks. You guys, because you're like, man, I got to jump through all these fucking hoops to get just to lose five pounds or just to not feel like ass at three o'clock in the afternoon and run on 10 cups of coffee a day. Um, and it is annoying. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that it's not, but the good thing is, is that as hard as it is, there is a, there is a way to feel better and feel like human. And so what are these lifestyle actions that move the needle? So some basic things that that will help that are kind of, you know, again, sort of general, because again, every individual with PCOS presents differently. (laughs) You don't want to you know say, oh, this is going to work for every single person. This should work for most people. And these are usually the top things that I would recommend um, for my clients with PCOS and that I have used with my clients with PCOS. They're usually part of the mix is the first thing is we want to start incorporating protein at your first meal of the day. Um, This is going to help if you're struggling with your blood sugar management, which is again, common, but not necessarily the standard, um, for individuals with PCOS. We want to start making sure that we're starting the day off with something that's very balanced, getting a carbon with that protein as well. And bonus for a healthy fat, just to help kick the day off with some healthy nutrients, with some good energy, getting the blood sugar managed will help with cravings, especially later on in the day. Um, and so continue and continuing to keep that as a, let's just get some protein in first thing of the day. Um, another thing, specifically around revolving with food that can be beneficial for PCOS is watching your meal timing. Um, and I know that's like, I don't want to have to time my meals, but if you can sort of keep your meals sort of more spaced out, um, you know, three, four hours rather than constantly eating and keeping those blood sugar levels elevated without allowing them the opportunity to decline. Um, that's going to also be beneficial for managing energy, managing cravings, things like that, managing that blood sugar, Response when you do eat food, um, and keeping if you can those carbs, proteins, healthy fats paired together as much as possible, um, and so that's really beneficial. The additional thing that I recommend for individuals with PCOS, and that I typically don't recommend to really anybody in general, but especially not people who have PCOS, is doing super high intensity workouts. So like Orange Theory, f forty five, whatever insert like high intensity workout class here. You know your hit classes, your Classes those are usually not going to be super beneficial because those are going to get your cortisol to the point where it's a little more elevated. Cortisol management could be sometimes a concern with PCOS, and that's going to in turn cause issues with your energy management, your stress management, your ability to sleep, um, your adrenal system, i.e., your cortisol levels, especially during during the day, um, can be a precursor to well managed sex hormone levels, or they are a precursor to those well managed sex hormone levels, um, and so not over stress the body but usually in this scenario something that's more low key we're looking at Pilates we're looking at your you know even bar classes really I think really great Um, I did I've done bar class before you guys and it's hard it's definitely not my cup of tea it's not what I would make my primary formal workout but it is fun I mean it is challenging it does challenge you in a new way which I think it's always cool to find those different activities that are challenging but fun doing resistance training is going to be really great for PCOS again not a hit class but doing like a standard like three day like workout split um, for that is going to be really beneficial for most individuals with PCOS. And then not overdoing it on the cardio, but also focusing on just getting some daily steps in, right? That can be really beneficial as well. Um, and so those are lifestyle actions that can help on the sort of nutrition and fitness side of things. On the other flip side of the coin, we've got sleep and stress management. Oh, shocker. Elaine is talking about sleep and stress management. What? I've never heard this before in my life. Um, that can be really, that's it. I'm not going to say it can be really beneficial. It has to be sort of a non-negotiable in that situation. I would argue that you need to focus on your sleep quality as well as your stress management before you even start focusing on like your workouts to be completely honest. Like, in my head it goes sleep and stress management they go hand in hand you, you, I feel like you need to address both at the same time that doesn't mean you need to do five million things at once but maybe you do your digital detox and you start with like a deep breathing exercise first thing in the morning sleep and stress management boom five minutes less you know five minutes or less and then you've already started to move the needle and then you can start working on that exercise because again we don't want exercise to become a stressor um, because exercise can become a stressor if things are really kind of out of whack and so just making sure that you're not reprioritizing in the wrong order. So sleep and stress management first, then we can do like exercise. And I even think that nutrition needs to come before exercise. That's the sort of the order that I would take it in sleep, stress, nutrition, and then movement. Um, that's how I would layer things in if you are somebody who is struggling. Um, and so, uh, the other things that I love for sleep management, you guys is just check your sleep environment. Do you need to get an eye mask? Do you need to get blackout curtains? Do you need to get a sound machine? Do you need to get some earplugs and then use your Apple Watch or your Fitbit as your alarm so your alarm is not going off and you can sleep with headphones in? Do you need to get a weighted blanket? Do you need to get new pillows? Do you need to get comfier jammies, right? Check your sleep environment because it does matter. Um, Also check your behaviors before sleep. Are you scrolling? Are you watching TV? Are you doing something that's really stressful and very like mentally engaging? Are you doing something that's very relaxing and winding you down for the night? And again, it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have like this perfect aesthetic nighttime routine lord knows mine is not aesthetic at all mine's like i will like shower and then put on like my comfiest jammies, which are not like cute jammies. It's like, I literally sleep in like an oversized t-shirt and this little like hair wrap thing. these like heatless curl things. And then I put on my big ass oversized glasses, some fuzzy socks and some lotion and like my robe. (laughs) It's amazing. It's great. That for me is like the best thing ever. And so maybe that's the best thing for you. Maybe you need to get some fancy pajamas. I mean, get yourself some fancy pajamas, right? The holidays are coming up. Maybe there's some sales on some stuff that you want to go ahead and nab some comfy things. Um, you know, but again, even a a new pillow can make a world of difference. Or do you need an extra pillow in order to get into like a comfortable position? So you sleep well, so sleep and then stress management, what you can do. One of my favorite things for like acute stress management. So in an actual stressful situation, not just sort of a general stress management is doing some deep breathing. So breathing in, for four counts, holding and then releasing because you're gonna stimulate that vagus nerve, which is gonna help trigger the parasympathetic nervous system, which is that rest and digest, which is the opposite of that like initial fight or flight stress response. So do some holding it and then. Out can be really helpful, and just getting into that mindset. Um, something that I've been doing that's been really beneficial for my mental health and stress management overall is—you guys know—if um, you've been around, I've got ADHD and anxiety, and yo, it it gets on one some days. And so I've been actually doing this thing called micro journaling. And I'm actually going to look at my notebook right now because if I try to figure out what the structure is off the top of my head, I'm not going to remember. So I just have like I use a bullet journal for my productivity and just tracking and everything like that. I love my bullet journal. It's amazing. Um, I post about it a lot on my Instagram stories. So my, my micro journaling is like one little section of, you know, ideas or thoughts. I do like six to 10 things cause I don't always have room for 10. So six to 10 ideas or thoughts that are just bouncing around in my brain. So it's sort of like a mini brain dump, um, of like I wrote down for today. Um, you know, or for yesterday was feeling a little bit defeated, but still got shit done. Um, had a really productive day ideas for a social media planner do i want to get a hope in two weeks a six size or do i keep it in my bullet journal um and then bujo bullet journal goals get three months into a notebook right now i'm only getting two months to a notebook so i'm trying to like minimize and like brainstorm how can i move some stuff out of my notebook um and then sp- uh, separate out like my whole stuff maybe into a separate notebook um you know and then i s- uh, more brain dump pages and then i said get some extra ink and another pen get a retractable pen like those were just the things that were on my mind this morning that were bouncing around that i had to get off my brain and like onto a piece of paper. Then I said something um, about, and then I do a gratitude, grateful for a low impact ADHD day where I can still do things and not feel entirely overwhelmed. So that's a gratitude. And then I said a memory, Um, had a great rehearsal at Conto which is a group that I sing with, and we had a great rehearsal last night. And so I just wrote that. So I do like some ideas, like a little mini brain dump. I do something that I'm grateful for. And then I do like a memory of the day. Um, And that's just how I do sort of my micro journaling. And there's multiple ways to do this. You can just do like 10 thoughts and a gratitude um and and if you don't want to do the memory side of things or maybe you just do like a memory of the day or like a um you know, I don't know, some kind of reflection, but journaling and getting things on paper can actually be really beneficial. Um, it's been proven actually shown to be lower stress. And I, I have a very loose structure, right? I'm not doing anything like I have to do 10. I have to do six. I have to do four. I just keep it very simple. And I just do whatever fits in that slot on my page. I split my two pages into like seven days of the week. It's whatever fits in the boxes and then I'm done. Um, and even if I don't fill the boxes, I have days where I don't even fill the boxes and that's okay. So when you, talking about like journaling as a stress management solution. Don't hold yourself to any like hard and fast rules. Just do what works for you. And that's what works for me. And maybe that's something that works for you. I also have a page in my notebook where I keep sort of like a weekly reflection where like as the week goes on, I can reflect about things that I did that were maybe not the smartest? What is something that, you know, I need to consider in planning for next week? Um, you know, what did my weekly reflection say last week? Let's take a look. You guys are getting a deep dive into my brain when it comes to stress management. Um, no TikTok after 5 PM. You guys, I did fall victim to TikTok Um, like one night last week and it was not good. Um, it was because I got into it because I took my dog to the emergency vet. It was bad. Um, do I need to get a body pillow and a different blanket to sleep better? I literally wrote that down. You guys, I just said that to you. I want to get like a big long extendable body pillow and maybe like a weighted blanket is what I'm thinking for me because I personally have been struggling with my sleep just a little bit um uh again and then work stamina is the name of the game again ADHD kind of getting in the way I, I can maybe sit for like an hour and a half to work and then I have to get up I'm trying to stretch it to like two hours this week which is really the goal um using a timer pomodoro just the thoughts right different thoughts on my weekly reflection um, and then I said uh, Something about You can do hard things Don't let the hard days win And then Sort your fucking vitamins <laughs> Those are the things That were in my weekly reflection But The nice thing is Is now they're on paper and They're not bouncing around In my brain So I'm way less stressed out So stress management Find something for stress management I also use my journal As a creative outlet I have like you know, little tapes and stickers and stuff like that. And I'm going to be doing more intentional stuff like that just to have an outlet for myself. And that's another thing with stress management too. Do you have an outlet for yourself that has nothing to do with work? That has nothing to do with productivity. That is just something that purely makes you happy. And are you giving yourself time to do that? Because that's super important for stress management too. And this can be really hard because if you're dealing with PCOS, you might be struggling with fatigue in a really big way. But one way to sort of give yourself some energy back is to find some time for things that are just for you. Even if it's as simple as doodling a notebook, learning how to brush letter, um, you know, listening to some music, finding an audiobook, reading a book. I love to read to you guys. So finding things that are just for you that have nothing to do with your productivity or your work or your home life or things that are like a checkoff list. There are just things that you can simply do because they bring you peace and joy interrupting the podcast for just a second. I know you're feeling foggy, groggy, and bloated. Totally not yourself. Wondering how the heck to get back to feeling like you did two, five, or 10 years ago. Maybe you've got gut issues, you've been diagnosed with an autoimmune or chronic illness, but you still wanna be strong and be able to move your body in a way that empowers you and lets you be there for life experiences to their fullest. Added a dash of diet culture shame and feeling like less food and more movement is the answer, and you've now got a recipe for disaster that has left you feeling miserable and frustrated and ready to call it quits on all efforts to make a change. Enter Stage Right VIP Coaching. VIP coaching is my one-on-one coaching container where we take all of your foggy, groggy woes, dive deep into your daily routines and lifestyle, and use food and movement to cultivate a holistic approach to getting your quality of life back to where it needs to be. This is the dump your diet method. Eat better, move smarter, and feel amazing. It's time to leave behind your search engine overwhelm and trendy fad diets that don't give you a roadmap for what to do when it's over. It's time to dump your diet so you can feel vibrant, energized, and healthy every single day of your life. Learn more in the show notes. This one decision could totally change your life. So anyway, that is sort of my take on PCOS things that help as well as apparently a little bonus, uh, you know, info on like stress management and journaling and things like that. I did not need to go off on that tangent, but if it was beneficial to you, welcome to my brain stream of conscious. Hello, here we go. Even though I have bullet points in front of me, if you have questions about PCOS, feel like you might be struggling. You're not sure where to start. Make sure to slide into my DMS. I, I do respond to my DMS. You guys, if you message me, you will get a human back. I have a pretty small audience on Instagram, so it makes it really easy to stay connected with all of you wonderful, wonderful humans. Um, as I've sort of been on this journey of coaching now for a while here. Um, and if you need, um, you know, to, if you, again, go to, if you need to get your sex hormones checked and your doctor want to check them lifeextension.com. type in full sex hormone panel, order it, get it done, and then see what the HAPS is. Take that into your medical provider. Um, if you feel like you're not getting support your need, you are struggling with your weight loss, with insulin resistance, and you're like, um, I need help. I need to figure out how to manage this better. This, this is my cup of tea. Come see me. Let's talk about if coaching is going to be a good fit for you because I love this shit and I love helping people sort their shit out because you do not have to be a victim of the diagnosis. You can manage it and you can see you know results and see improvements in your quality of life even if you've got... stupid label like PCOS or really any other kind of situation. There is opportunities and ways for you to feel like a badass. All right, you guys, that is it for today's episode of What the Funk. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you next time.